0: Welcome to The Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, TV host on Extra, master brand strategist, author on gratitude, and co founder of Mindset Programs. And I dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this lively, unfiltered, and heart centered podcast. The Mindset Mashup is a compilation of real talks focused on epic mindset rituals and routines to help you get after your passion and potential. Tune in each Monday for inspirational guests who reveal their mindset must to help you optimize what matters most, self-love, impact, fulfillment. I'm so excited that you're here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Mindset Mashup. My next guest, Alison Armstrong, is really special to me and I'm so excited to share this talk with you and to share her with you, especially if you are new to her work. It has made a profound impact on my life and many of my girlfriends' lives and of course then the men in our lives and It's just such an honor. I mean, when I started this podcast, I put together a dream list. And at the top of my dream guest was Alison Armstrong. So when I reached out to her publicist and asked if, you know, there was any way that she would be willing to come on to my podcast... And when they responded with yes, I was just floored and blown away with just such deep gratitude. So for one, I just want you to know this is deeply personal and super special for me. And it's because she delivers insane value. She's just the absolute expert guys. I mean, everyone in And anyone has been trying to duplicate her work. And some of them are very successful at it. Um, But she is the original. And that's why I had to have her and nobody else on this topic, on this podcast. And I am so deeply floored, humbled, and grateful for this experience. So I cannot wait for you to listen in. And guys, get ready for a wonderful treat. Here's Alison Armstrong. Well, I am so excited for my next guest, Alison Armstrong. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Hi. I'm going to read this amazing bio that we have for you. Alison Armstrong is a best-selling author, sought-after speaker, master thought leader, and founder of PAX Programs, a mission-driven company passionate about transforming the way men and women relate to themselves and each other, and the ultimate source for understanding men and women. Alison distinguishes human instincts that compel both men and women to behave in ways that contradict and undermine our own purposes, goals values, needs, and relationships. She offers partnership-based alternatives for more fulfilling lives, loving relationships, stronger families, and productive organizations. Allison's philosophy and approach is frequently referenced and taught by other authors, speakers, business consultants, and therapists. And she's best known for Understanding Men online course, the Queen's Code top-selling book, and in sync with the Opposite Sex audio program. And PAX has affected millions of people worldwide, including myself. I am so honored and grateful that you are here. Really. You know, I was mentioning this right before we hit record, and and I, I had told you that, you know, I have... I'm a graduate from your entire original curriculum. This is where you did the four programs in a year. You were teaching most of them. It's when you were based out of Los Angeles. And I was so fortunate to be in your realm of leadership and brilliance um, over 10 years ago. And I had mentioned to you, and I want to say this publicly, that there are only two master thought leaders that I believe have made a profound, lasting, and sustainable measured impact on my life. And it's one of them is your work. My dad thanks you. My brothers, thank you. My ex-boyfriends, thank you. My male clients and friends, thank you. And I want to start with where you began, because in one of your interviews, I had read that, you know, you started studying men in 1991. And it's because you were a frog farmer and you were very good at bringing out the worst in men and you you had this insatiable desire and drive to understand them and bring out the best. So where did that begin with you and how did you see those effects right away?
1: Well, for anyone who's read The Queen's Code, which is ostensibly a work of fiction um there's a scene in the first chapter where one of the characters Kimberly is in a seminar and she has a friend who asks why are men wonderful in the beginning and and then after a few weeks or a few months turn into sports watching pizza eating beer belching couch slugs <laughs> it- And the seminar leader effectively calls her a frog farmer, as in a woman who, instead of turning frogs into princes, turns princes into frogs. And Kimberly's life flashes before her. Well, that actually happened to me in February of 1991. And uh, my friend was the one who asked the question. And when the seminar leader called her a frog farmer, she deflected it. But I literally had this vision of a big white farmhouse with a wraparound porch and rows and rows of frogs in the front field with little human heads. And at that point, which was, um, <laughs> I was 30 years old. <laughs> I'm getting the picture. Yes, I was 30 years old at that point, And I literally had had... Like a hundred ten hour or ten day relationships right besides my seven year marriage, which was um, frog farming at its best um, I had I had this opinion of men that they were con artists and that, if I poked them in just the right way, if I antagonized them in just the right way, I would reveal the con before I was suckered again. And i really proud of myself on how quickly I could get them to reveal what I saw were their true colors. And it wasn't until I heard this term frog farmer that it occurred to me that maybe instead of revealing the con, I was doing the equivalent of kicking the dog and being surprised when the dog bit me or when the dog ran away or when the dog bit me and ran away. (laughs) That maybe that's a completely appropriate response for a dog to a foot. And and that's uh, that night, I just decided I wanted to find out what was I doing that was bringing out the worst in men. And I knew I had to go investigate it because it wasn't obvious what I was doing because I was so normal. I was ordinary. I did everything my friends did. I did everything my mother did. I did everything I saw on television. I was a normal woman and I had normal results like... A lack, of dis, a lack of intimacy, a lack of support, a lack of admiration, a lack of being adored and pursued and cherished and all those things that, oh, I wanted them so badly. And and so I honestly did not make a big commitment. I had such a poor um, view of men. I, I thought I'd know everything that was worth knowing about them in two or three months at the most. And twenty-seven years later, I—I've never really committed to studying men. I'm just fascinated. <laughs> I've just moved from one fascination to another, and I keep finding out how different they are than what I was raised to believe, what I instinctually react to, the myths in our culture. We misunderstand and misinterpret them so often. If it were happening to us as often, we would just, we'd be in a puddle of tears or we would be raging to be so misunderstood, to be so misinterpreted, to be seen as insensitive and inconsiderate and dishonorable And, right, and and unaccountable and all the things um, that we see men to be that they're not. They just express who they are and what they are in such a different way than women. And we don't know that. So we keep interpreting it through what that would mean if a woman did it. And they're doomed by that.
0: Oh, my goodness. As are we. Yes. What I wanted to do in this conversation is because I'm a single woman in my 40s, living in Los Angeles, never been married, and I'm much better, uh, you know, now in my relationships than I've ever been, and I truly am grateful for progress. Um, and I know when I'm not, and I know when I am, and I can measure it. It's really beautiful. It's super easy stuff that you teach, um, but I find that you know, there are so many people out there that wonder if they really need a relationship specifically marriage. And now there are more statistics ever uh, about single people in America. In fact, in 2017, the Census Bureau reported that there's a record number of adults living in the US that are not married. In fact, more than 110 million, which is 45% of all Americans 18 or older. And I am thinking, Allison, it's not because they don't crave connection or long for monogamy and commitment. What do you think in your expertise is the biggest sort of misnomer that's happening out there that's creating this chasm of connection disconnection excuse me there's so many parts of this and they're not
1: all bad okay um so I want to start with just dispelling that the statistics is an indicator entirely of a breakdown and what i mean by that is for even millennia. You could call it marriage. You could call it uh, doubling up. You could call it coupling. I don't want to call it partnering because it wasn't really partnership. But men and women have found each other and bound themselves together literally to survive. And the instinctive, there's an instinctive question, there's an instinctive drive in both men and women that can also exist in the domain that we call human spirit. But the question is, am I better off with them or am I better off without them? And that is that is a fundamental and legitimate question. And when men and women needed each other and for much of that, it was men needed women for sex, for their sex drive, which is so much more intense than women realize, and also to be nurtured and nourished and be fed the life force of women. And women needed men for for physical protection, for economic security, um, heck, it wasn't that long ago that we as women weren't allowed to own property, and it wasn't that long before that when women were property. So a a man was a necessity for a woman's survival, and and so this is what drove what people have called marriage for a really long time, and had people stay in marriages that weren't even close to fulfilling. Did not empower them. Did not enrich them. Did not have them be more of who they are or were meant to be. I mean, it didn't even get close to happy, right? It would. It would for most people. It would be good if their marriage was fine, right? And just not miserable, not antagonistic, not diminishing. If their if their marriage was fine, that was better than most. And, and so in some ways that we have the most unmarried people that we've ever had, that's actually a sign of our economic ability, our economic um, independence, a stronger sense of self, um, that we're answering that better off with or better off without question from a a, literally a higher standard. And the fact that so many keep deciding I'm better off without, that's why I say it's not all bad.
0: Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. And I love that. It's like, am I better with or without? But let's assume for the sake of this talk that the people listening are like me and where they desire to be married and to be in a partnership. So as we're dating and sorting through men, you've got some basic philosophies and I'd love to hear from you in real time, how best to identify a good partner or dating techniques that you know are the most effective right now? Yeah. um,
1: Well, to continue what we were talking about, because it fits perfectly, it would be to first get clear with yourself, what are the qualities that a man would have that would have you be, or vice versa, right? It could be a woman that if a man's, you know, answering this question for himself, but what would, and by the way, this applies to business as well, Michelle, what, what are the qualities that would have you be better off with that person? than without them? And then also, what is it that they would want to give, want to contribute, want to provide? What what are what are their gifts that they're, they just are dying for somebody to value them and want to receive them? And it, it's so funny because, I mean, Greg and I have been married for 25 years And he still, at least once a week, says as he's rubbing my back again, I can't (laughs) believe you let me do this whenever I want. Oh. Right? And and I'm the person who Mm. I really think if you touched me enough, I wouldn't have to eat. You know what I mean? I'd acquire all the nutrients I ever needed. And Mm. that's what I mean by. What is it that they would that they would contribute to you that you would just think, oh, my gosh, I'm so much better off with this person. And it's definitely going to fall into the domain of what can't I give myself? Because that's what's having for sure so many women stay single. And I know so many men who are like, well, I keep asking, but she hasn't said yes yet. So it's, it's the women who are turning down the proposals. And, and it has to do with we have this enormous self sufficiency now. So what used to have us be better off with, like he made a certain amount of money, or he owned a home, that doesn't fly anymore. There's got to be something else. And and so for us to get clear about it, what are the what are the qualities that would contribute that? What are the actions that they would take? What is it that they would generate on their own? Because um, that's such a gift when someone's being accountable for something. That's a gift they give to another person. So what does someone want to be accountable for? Um, <laughs> Greg yesterday was looking up how to fix the washing machine. And honestly, I wanted to jump his bones. And I told him, <laughs> like, it was so hot that mm. the washing machine had an error code and he was right on it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did that do it for me? So so what? what is all of that? And if we're clear about it first with ourselves... Then the second step, which is really important, and we teach this in our understanding men, love, and commitment course, but I love giving it away way ahead of time. And that is that what's normal when we figure out what qualities we need, when we figure out what we need someone to be up to, we go out with a in our thinking, in our mindset, because yay, we're at mindset mashup. So <laughs> it's mashups some mindset. We go out with black and white questions. Like let's say you know, I would be better off if I was with a man who was dependable. Now, we don't go looking for dependable men in the bar, right? We look for <laughs> <laughs> we look for dark, tall, dark, and handsome, or tall, blonde, and handsome, or whatever our type is, right? But being with a dependable person, that is one way to be better off, right? That mm-hmm. someone who gives and keeps their word, holy moly. So- mm-hmm. So once you figure out whatever this is, it's a generous person, it's an honest person, it's a considerate person, it's a dependable person, it's a responsible person, it's a whatever it is, you the qualities are, then when you're interacting with them, whether it's reading their profile or talking to them on the phone before the first date, which I recommend always to do, and, and, and at length, by the way, not just set up the date. Um, and if they're not unwilling to do that, then don't go out with them. <laughs> because if they really were charmed and enchanted by you, they would be willing to do that. If they're unwilling yes, to I that, love that. If they're unwilling to talk to you, they're just they just want to be in your physical presence as quickly as possible. Um and it's it it doesn't mean they're a bad person, it means the way they're attracted to you is insufficient for the kind of relationship you're talking about. But so wherever it is you're interacting with them, if you're asking instead of it, is this man this quality or not, right? Is he generous or not? Is he honest or not? Is he kind or not? Is he considered or not? If you just switch that, okay, just mash it up a bit with how, right? So Mm. if if you think of your brain as a search engine, Right? If the question is, is this man generous? It's only going to have as its available data the way you have identified generosity before. So it's only going to check it against those forms of generosity. And you could miss so much, right? You're just going to be in a yes, no, zero, one universe. If you ask instead, how is this man generous? right? Mm. How is this man generous? So you're setting your mind, your search engine to how is this man generous? Well, it goes hunting for how is this man generous? Well, yes. look at how kind yes. he was with the waiter. Look at how he keeps noticing that you didn't finish what you were saying. Look at how he's speaking about um, his employees. Look at how he talks about this, like like your mind will come bring to you what I what I like to call a rainbow. Instead of just black and white, you get to see a mm. rainbow of generosity. And and it has this added benefit, Michelle, and you know this from, from practicing what you've learned, when you're listening to a man that way, like, how is he this way? So you have this curiosity, mm-hmm. you're actually stretching to see him, not just looking to judge him. The effect Ooh. on the man is profound. It, it, I mean, just it, Beautiful. It, it's jaw dropping for them. Like, oh, my gosh, you really see me. Oh, my gosh, you're really here. Oh, who are you? <laughs> so yes. that's, that's my initial answer to your question.
0: I love that. Now you brought up the list of not only what you need or what you can't provide for yourself, um what you would enjoy, but also of course what you would bring. What are your gifts? Now, some people have these excessive lists. What do you what what is like a a good amount of qualities in terms of is it 3 pages, is it a journal, do you go until you can't go? What do you recommend?
1: Well, I try not to make a rule Because some people are much more specific than others. So they might have reliable, dependable, integrous, right? Where somebody else might just wrap it up with one word. Um, But I think as we, the longer we live and the clearer we are about ourselves, we have we keep distinguishing, right? We keep refining what matters to me, right? And um, and how specific we are. And we had a something happen in our family earlier this year that had us distinguish truth and honesty. And it was fascinating um, with my my husband and my children because what we distinguished is that is that we don't just need honesty, right? Like honesty is good. What we, we distinguish is that we are lovers of truth, right? And that so much so that we won't just answer, answer your question honestly. We will tell you the whole truth, including what you wouldn't think to ask, even if it's going to have it go unfavorably for us, right? That that's, the degree of truthfulness that that we provide, that we need, that we crave, and that creates a foundation of the quality of our relationships. Now, you know, I've done a teleclass called Why Men Lie and Why Women Lie, <laughs> and basically express that you are a fool if you expect people to be truthful, because every instinct is pulling for It's pulling for lying. Like every flight, fight, flight and freeze instinct says that lying is a much better choice. So if you need what I need, I've had to learn how to make it safe, right? How do you cause what you need? Which is a whole other part of relating that gets into what we would call partnership. And that's, that's my the other part of my answer to your question, Michelle, about why I think so many people are not married, and it's because relationship has become insufficient. Relationship by my definition relationship is 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 based in expectations that are spoken or unspoken, that are met and unmet, that are undeclared that are sometimes betrayed and dashed and it's a it's a minefield and partnerships are created consciously through accountabilities that are accepted and entrusted and people are empowered and people are willing to engage in a phenomenal process of clarification that is oh my gosh the the dedication that you have to have To giving, to giving clues, (laughs) to be willing to say yes and no, and that's beautiful, and that's a cliff, and to be able to say that instead of just live in a state of irritation or aggravation, if that makes sense. Yes, love, totally makes sense. Lovers of truth. Yeah. So, I mean, what I'm talking about, just a partnership to have truthfulness and honesty that's a whole different way of approaching what you're doing together. And it, it speaks to this better off with or without, because for what most people are committed to, they can provide enough of it themselves that they're better off without. It's only if what you're committed to is impossible to achieve yourself. <laughs> Right? That you're better off with, you're better off engaging in the commitment of partnership.:
0: Yes. Do you think that m- women and/or men think they want partnership, but their life suggests otherwise their actions, their facts, the evidence suggest otherwise? What's the disparity there? Ha) <laughs> That's awesome, Michelle. <laughs> well, because you know, let me, let me back that up real quick. Do you really want partnership? Do you really want marriage? You say you do, but maybe you're, and I just think there's gotta be so many people out there though, that are not as conscious to their decisions and their, their sorting, their choosing in the past. So they think that maybe it means something that it might not, which is why I asked you the question. Yeah.
1: There's so many different ways to answer it, Michelle, because all right, here's a range from a from just the so the practical and the spiritual, right? So from the practical, most women, especially, do not have time for a relationship. And what I mean by that is a man who is interested in them for something real asking you know them out or love to get together with you and she looks at her schedule and the first opening is in three weeks he already knows she doesn't have space in her life to pay sufficient attention to him to get what he needs from being in a relationship And there's this interesting thing about men that they don't expect other people to change. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right? (laughs) Women expect men to change, but men expect men think that your life is the way that you're choosing it to be. They think that your life is that way because you want it to be that way. They don't think it's, they don't assume that it's like a temporary filling of one's life Until something better like a great relationship comes along, and then you'll swap out that time space for them. They just assume there's no space. So, if a woman truly is committed to having a relationship, she actually has to start by having unoccupied space in her schedule. Like, actually put in your schedule date date, date. <laughs> I love that. And have one, like, you know, have two or three spaces in a week that you could have a date. Now, when you get there, if you don't have a date with a man, well, have a date with yourself, right? Do, do something. Don't work some more, right? Do something fun. Go out, take yourself to the opera. Go be the places that you would not run into the people who love what you love. Right? So go do what you love. That's one of the best places to meet people is doing the things you love because how you're being is this really, really good magnet, not just sexual attraction. So and then when it's like, hey, can we get together? Well, how about tomorrow night? Really? <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, that's cool, right? Um, so that's the, the super practical. And then, on the other on the total opposite end, I love what your sister said to you, because um I interact with women from time to time who are trying to get pregnant. and they've been trying to get pregnant for a really long time. And pregnancy is, I mean, literally and figuratively an act of creation. And so it has everything to do with will. And I find that women who are struggling to get pregnant, they they're literally in a battle of wills with themselves, so they have as much will and desire to be pregnant as they do fear, and and resistance to being pregnant, and they're in a deadlock with themselves, and and I'll just ask them, they'll be like, well, I just say, why do I have a baby so bad, and I want to be a mom, and okay, and why don't you? And their pupils, their pupils go. Whoa! <laughs> right? They just, they're people's flair because it just boom, goes right to the heart of the matter. And then they'll start talking about everything that they're worried about and afraid of and what it'll cost them and what they'll sacrifice. And the same question has, can be asked of relationships. Right. And that stuff, that stuff has to be cleared the beliefs, the conclusions, the fears, or it has to have a, it has to have a plan. It has to have a boundary already ahead of time. It's got to be like this or I'm not doing it, which those lists can be boundaries. So, so that's one end from the very practical
0: to the free will. I love it. And I love the range and I appreciate it. And I realize that it's obviously a loaded question. But I love this because, you know, we're getting a snapshot, you know, and of course we'll direct everyone to the site, but it's just such an honest way to look at it. And I love having that practical versus spiritual, but staying on the topic of dating and people out there, and let's assume that they really have cleared it and they are, they are aware and conscious of what they need to do to be ready and, and available for the type of relationship, which is a monogamous committed long-term relationship. and then. They're in a conversation before the date and or at this first date. So many women that I know, Allison, still, and I say still because I've done your work over 10 years ago, they would be too afraid to tell a man what she really wants early on. And early on, meaning for some, four, five, six dates, few months, she wouldn't tell him that she wants to be married or wouldn't tell him that she really wants kids. And I find that mind boggling, but I know you have a different perspective on that.
1: Yeah, it's normal. Um, Both men and women conceal what matters most to them. It's, it's instinctive. It's, it's called strategy. (laughs) And, and it's one of the things that I talk about in the program in sync with the opposite sex, which I, if you haven't listened to it lately, I encourage you to and everybody and we have a new version on our website that's only 49 bucks instead of 125 and it's really um i'm in favor of flying the flag and you know if you see a ship and the flag that it's flying oh yeah it's a friendly flag let's go uh, you know let's go hang out with those people or oh my that's a pirate ship um, let's steer clear of it, well, if you're the one flying the flag of the truth of yourself, then the people for whom you're not a fit, they're going to do all the effort. They're going to just stay awake. They're going to not ask you out. They're going to not keep trying to spend time with you. They're not going to take your time. And unfortunately, this strategy of don't tell them what really matters until you think they like you well enough that they'll go along with it, it it blows up. Um, it blows up because we get attached. Um, if we've slept with them, now we have an oxytocin bond that is another kind of attachment, a biological attachment, and and it's that whole time that we're not saying what really matters. There is an inauthenticity, which authenticity is the third most attractive quality in a woman. So we're actually making ourselves less lovable, if you will, by not telling that truth. And this is why I think it's so important for people to figure out what their deal breakers are and and deal breakers by what you can't live with and what you can't live without. Those are your deal breakers. And if you're not going to live without marriage, that's a deal breaker. If you're not going to live without a child that's a deal breaker if you're not going to live without a particular religion that's a deal breaker and people need to know those and then they sort themselves in or out and it doesn't mean we have to be obnoxious about what it is that we're committed to it's just it's just truthful about what it is that we're committed to and one thing i want to say because there's so much online dating these days is that I recommend that your deal breakers are in your online profile, but you also have to assume that they were not read and they were not a ab- bad abided by. Yeah, just because men men collect an enormous amount of information visually. They're they're highly perceptive that way. And so this isn't about being shallow. This is about how much they can see. And it's why I encourage women to have a recent, real, honest to goodness picture of themselves doing something that they love and not these glam shots, not this best side, not 20 pounds ago in any direction, um, just to be real. And if you have a real representation of yourself up there, then the chances that they're picking you for you goes up. But then in that first conversation, before you ever get together with them, just say, hey, you know, I'm really flattered that you would like to meet me. And I want to check out some things first because I don't want us to get attached to each other if we're not a good fit. And so I'm just going to ask you some questions from my profile. And don't worry, I don't expect you to have read it or already know about this. I'm being responsible for what it is that I'm looking for. Could we do that now? (laughs) Right? and give him a chance to agree to it, and then ask. Okay, so as I said in my profile, I am committed to a monogamous relationship. What do you think about that? And then this is where it gets interesting, Michelle, because the difference between I'm looking for that, I'm ready for that, and I'm open to that
0: are light years apart. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, that's a whole, that's a whole nother course.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But a man who says I'm open to that, that is a no. That's a no. Men know if they want monogamy. They know if they crave monogamy. They know if they're not interested in anything, but monogamy, they know that about themselves. They'll say, that's the only way I roll. Or that's exactly what I'm looking for. Or I assumed that's what we were talking about. But a man who says I'm open to that, he's saying I really like your picture, <laughs> 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 right? I I I like your curves. Um, he, it's a, it's not that it's a false answer. He's open to that, but. That's like being open to climbing Mount Everest. It's 29,000 feet tall, <laughs> right? You're going to run out of air at about 12,000 feet. You're open to that? Um, Sure, let's just drop you off at the top. So, it's, so that's why you want to check it, right? You want to check it. And then can I tell you something else that could just save so much misery? Yes. Okay. It, for anyone who hasn't read... The book, Making Sense of Men, I encourage you to do that because it distinguishes between how man behaves when he's merely sexually attracted to you and when he is also emotionally and intellectually attracted to you, what we call Charmed and Enchanted. And a huge distinction is that when he's Charmed and Enchanted, he actually cares about what you need and he wants to contribute to what you need if he can. And so one of the most important things to do in that initial conversation is to actually need something. And and it needs to be a real one. It can't be fake. So if he says, hey, how about we get together Tuesday night? Then, and if you're a yes, I need something. Yes, but I need to not get together before 7 o'clock. Or yes, but I need to be home by 9.30. I'd love to do that and, right? That there's a limitation and you use the word I need, not I'd like to be. I need to be home by. And then we're in the middle of the duct tape dare right now at PAX, with the imaginary duct tape over your mouth and wait to see how does he respond to you having a need. A man who is only sexually attracted This does not mean he's a bad man. It just means you have not engaged the rest of who he is. He just doesn't care about what you need, right? Toasters are supposed to toast. You don't care what the toaster needs, right? It's an objective relationship, object to object relationship. It's physical. So how does he respond to that need? Is he like, ah, don't be a spoil sport. Do not go out with that man. I don't care how attractive he is in his in his profile. He's not attracted to you in the way that's going to make possible what you're looking for. If he shows curiosity, like like oh, are you doing something special the next day? Right, that's a good sign. If he if he's if he's hmm okay nine thirty hmm all right well I'd have to change where I thinking about taking you but we could do that another time now he's adapting to what you need that's hot
0: (laughs) yes it is
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay so this is this is finding out before you're ever spending your precious time and energy and money and physical, whatever it is that happens when two people get together, you're exposing yourself to possible chemical responses that might not be good for you um, <laughs> because they might overwhelm your sensibilities, um, which is why we love them, I think. But it's it's a way to find out, is this a starter or a non-starter? And I think we waste too much time with non-starters in just this false hope. And I think it's what has dating diminished people.
0: Yes. Well, you left us with a little cliffhanger earlier and in, in speaking to that authenticity factor and it being a third most attractive quality for men. Will you reveal what the top two are here or is that reserved for a program? <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot because I want everyone to do your programs.
1: It's totally fine. Um, I people figured out a long time ago I I'm clearly not in this for the money because I I don't hold anything back if there's a sufficient foundation for it to be heard right I don't like to waste my breath but um yeah it's it's simple and it's funny because we've asked hundreds and hundreds of men this question and and The funniest thing is almost all of them say, well, it's probably different for other men, but for me, and then they all say the same thing. So the number one most attractive quality is self-confidence. And that's why it's so important to not go for the guy that you're having a chemical response to, because that guy will have you twist yourself into a a pretzel and your self-confidence will be lost you can't even find your self-confidence you can't because you'd have to have a sense of yourself first right and we're too busy adapting to please and attract that guy and we lose our sense of self and it's not because we have low self-esteem it's because of the effect of chemistry so um so
0: please everybody just avoid your type run (laughs) run from your type Every successfully married, and I mean like happily, healthily, with passion, with love, like what you and Greg have. Every single person, including, including my mom, they're married to their non-types. This is such a message, loud and clear for me specifically, <laughs> but for everybody listening, thank you for reminding us of that.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. And in Making Sense of I Men, I talk about what I call the Adam Sandler effect, which it doesn't mean by dating you're off type, it doesn't mean you have to go without attraction. It's just not the strike you in your pelvis kind of attraction. It's something that has a chance to grow because of admiration, because of the perception of these different strength qualities that you actually need. Right. And not just, you know, money, muscles and a mustache, as my mother used to say. So. Yeah. So number one is self-confidence. And um, number two is authenticity. I'm sorry if I said it's number three. Number two is authenticity. So this is why if if you don't have an attitude about it, you're just real about this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm committed to at this point in my life. That kind of directness is very attractive to men. It's one of the things they appreciate about women in their 40s, by the way, that women in their 40s tend to be so much more direct than younger women. Um, so that just direct, plain, simple, not you owe me this or I'm entitled or you're a jerk if you don't want it to. Just this is who I am. Um, very attractive. And then the third quality is passion. And that's related to what I was telling you before, right? If so make a date with yourself, and if you're not having a date with a man, go do something that you're passionate about. Even if it's sitting in a library, reading, you know, your favorite kind of books, or you take yourself to a ball game, like just, <laughs> or buy tickets to a ball game in, for two people in hopes that someone's going to show up and be able to go, like, can you out Tuesday night? Well, actually I have tickets to the ball game. Do you, do you like baseball, right? Do you like basketball? Do you like football? Um, that's cool too. Like to, for them to be invited to participate in something in your life is really cool and how they respond will tell you a lot. Um, so self-confidence, authenticity, passion, and then the one where every woman blows it, unfortunately, and so much of our curriculum is directed at it. And that's receptivity. And the first three qualities have men want to give to you and take care of you and contribute to you. And then if we pull the, I can do it myself. or not let them contribute because we then think we're going to be obligated for something. It it just shoots the whole thing in its head. Yep.
0: Beautiful. I love that, you know, and then that receptivity acknowledging them in our appreciation for them so that they are aware that we could see and receive what their gifts are for us at all times there. I love how you, you educated me, you know, many years ago on that. They're always stepping up to serve us, but that we miss it because we're looking at it oftentimes from the lens of what that means for us and how we do it, but not how are they doing it? Such a big distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. So, you know, it's funny. Um, I took a little Facebook poll um, when I said that I was having you on and I, you know, I said like, you know, I know you guys probably have burning questions, but what is like a top burning question? And I was able to whittle it down, Allison. There's to one question, which I'm going to, I'm going to ask you in a sec, but There's a lot of stuff out there, and this is all around dating and sorting and then just maintaining a quality of love and passion in our relationships if we've got them. So much around polarity, masculinity, femininity. We can't touch all of it right now, but the question that I got that seemed to be the most recurring theme is, ask Allison if there's a quick fix an instant fix to how we can get into a state of femininity when we need it most. And what would be some examples of that?
1: I wondered where you were going. Um, what a great question. Okay. So, um, ah, all right, two parts. One is that being committed to a specific result or intention or destination puts us in hunting mode. And that energy is not good for dating. <laughs> it's good for getting stuff done, but it's not good for dating. And instead to be open to be open to options to possibilities to alternatives this is what we would call the gathering mode and this is a way that our work has transformed in the last few years we look at masculinity and femininity very differently cuz it's it's too tied in with gender to to it just has a ton of baggage right so if a woman is in hunting mode she's going to behave in particular ways, and have a particular energy about her that mostly will attract men who want to be taken care of. And so it's fine in the workplace, as long as you're not going to date from the workplace. (laughs) But on a date, it's important to shift to gathering mode, which is the opposite. Instead of committed, it's open. And so if you're on a date and you're hunting your husband, are you my husband? Are you my husband? Are you my husband? (laughs) Yes, no, judging, judging, judging. That would be hunting instead of open to who is this person, which is why the how questions can help you be in a more open, receptive state, right? How is this man generous? How is this man considerate? Um, That can help you to be in that state. So you have to let go of any goals that you have for that date. Um, in, in sync, I recommend approaching dating from that. The point of each date is to practice being yourself. And if you practice being yourself, then every date will have served you. Whether no matter how it turns out with that person, it will have served you if you're practicing being real, being yourself. So. So that's that's sort of a practical thinking way to do it. And then um, the other way to do it, and this may sound really funny, um, rhythmic hand motions. So um, part of the problem with women and 45% of adults over 18 not being married is that what causes us to be available to bond, to want to bond, to want to care about another person, to even to be able to have an orgasm, to want to have sex, to not feel diminished from having sex has everything to do with building oxytocin. And most of the research is about spending oxytocin. Um, I think John Gray because he actually taught me about building oxytocin, which is super cool. But If you think about a gatherer's lifestyle, right, whether it's picking seed heads or berries or grinding grains, right, the rhythmic hand motions are are part of our ancestry, and they're what build oxytocin. So even, it may sound funny, but if you have a date, go home, change your clothes into something that you're happy to be wearing. And- And stand at the kitchen sink and hand wash the dishes for a little while, not in a hurry, right? Just like wipe down the counters like you love them, (laughs) you know? Yes, yes. Right? So it's all of those things, whether it's ironing or wiping or dusting or washing, or even when I can tell that I'm low on oxytocin, I'll just sit and literally rub my hands together. I'll just rub back and forth like I'm, you know, being contemplative and I'm causing my body to generate a hormone that will give me a sense of well-being and have me be available and receptive.
0: Mm, I love that. It reminds me of when I um, was with my ex-boyfriend and I was doing a yoga sun salutation very slowly. And gracefully in his living room, I was showing him something, and he just sat down on the couch, like completely mesmerized. And he was like, I fucking love you so much right now. <laughs> and it's like, I, because I was filling my tank, I was doing exactly what you're talking about, and I loved yoga. And I was just sharing with him my passion, you know, and, and it was such a beautiful little example of an answer to that question full circle. So, thank you for that because that's so tangible in terms of a takeaway immediately with all the men in our lives. I love it. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um we're coming up toward the end with so many, you know, people in relationships now and I just want to, you know, see if we can just give a little nutshell, um, in your three minute, um, answer <laughs> over a three day. And that is for the ones who, they want what you have with Greg, you know, they, they, they're, they've lost polarity. They've lost the attraction. It's more like friendship and that fine relationship that you talked about earlier. Aside from doing your entire curriculum and reading your books, What is, you know, maybe a top takeaway right now for listeners of like, just do this guys tonight when you go home, do this. And I promise you, you will see a shift.
1: There's so many little things, um, that make a difference. Um, the first, as I mentioned, we're in the duct tape dare right now, which, um, we can go to our website and see a little clip from the understanding men online course, about what we call waiting for the well and it's counter instinctual to what women normally do so when you ask a question just wait for the answer and literally count to 30 in your head and don't be tapping your foot or being impatient let him go hunt down the answer for you because it's something he does committedly and if you're willing to do that you can improve communication dramatically and he comes back and gives you an answer and he pauses wait another 30 seconds and literally keep doing that until he says that's all i have to say about that and most women have never seen heard those words so if you want to do something to create more intimacy to be more informed to feel more included to connect with this person, Um, waiting for the well is one of the most important things you can do. Um, Second thing I already was teaching, how is this man? If you can do that with someone you've been married to for 25 years (laughs) to discover them newly, right? Um, That, that keeps it spicy. And, um, and just to keep being curious about who are you now or, um, I asked Greg about a motorcycle trip he took last weekend. I'm like, so how, who are you after that? How did that affect you? Right. And he was so glad I asked because he he had a real answer and he wanted to share it with me, but it's, but the inst- instincts, especially for a man, a man are to conceal, right? So if we're not interested, if we're not safe, if we're not patient, and if we're going to use the answer against them, they're not going to tell. They they can't. So um, that also really helps. Also, okay, here's one for you, Michelle. That peck on the cheek stuff. Do you know that little peck on the lips thing? Seriously, <laughs> take thirty seconds longer. I mean, just kiss him for real. Like actually put your this is what I love about yoga right I could I could completely picture you're describing because yoga also is about being present for the moment and in your body so be present in your own lips touching his lips feel it honestly it takes about five seconds and the sparks start flying <laughs> and it keeps spiciness alive. And the hardest thing about sex in a long-term relationship is getting started. Well, that's because we let the dang fire go out, and we have to keep rebuilding it, keep blowing on the embers. You know, a little pat on the butt as you go by, a little rub on the shoulders, a little here, honey, do would you like a UBF? That stands for Unlimited Breast Feels. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> like the keep don't let the fire go out like keep just you know nurturing it blowing a little bit on it winking at him hi sexy you know hey sexy man hi handsome so expressing that that admiration that admiration for the physical I I mean it just it blew my mind Greg is 68 years old and what he will do for me to keep thinking he's sexy, <laughs> <You> just, <laughs> that matters so much to him that I think he's sexy. And, and he goes and walks up the hill from our house an hour nearly every day because of what it does to his butt and what his butt does to me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. Which is the, the other thing, if you want to go beyond the simple to the courageous, to make a deal with each other that our job is to provide clues to each other. That what if our p- relationships are really, it's not about guessing what their expectation is, it's about the warmer, colder, hot game. Did you play that when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you need something, you're the person that's picking out the destination. And if someone's saying, yeah, I'll do that for you, they're the one that's now going to make their way to your destination. Well, they'll make it faster if you give them clues. They take a step and you say warmer. They take another step, colder. It's not colder, you idiot. It's not warmer, finally, jerk. Right. It's just colder, warmer, colder, warmer, colder, warmer, colder, warmer. You you get in a rhythm of providing and looking for clues and asking and providing clues. And there's this partnership for you to get what you need with the least amount of wasted energy and effort. It's not about criticism and it's not about fluffing somebody up. It's just about empowering the other person to win.
0: Oh my God. Those are such great answers. It's so beautiful and rich. And I feel like you just gathered so many nuggets from all of your life's work. So thank you for being a true queen. We are um, going to wrap up pretty soon, and now I want to understand you a little bit better and how you get your mindset clear to serve us, to serve humanity in the way that you do that's so beautiful. So do you have any daily routines or rituals that you know will keep your tank filled or keep you optimized to continue to say yes to your mission, to your man, all of it? Gosh, I do so many
1: things. Uh, first of all, I, I abandoned California and Los Angeles and live in rural Western Colorado, right? So, I'm looking at the Rockies right now out my office window. Um, I um, I get to interact with nature a lot through my dog and my horses and my tractor. If that sounds funny, but I have a tractor. I love my tractor. I also. Um, I also try to just slow down and do less like to build breaks into that crazy schedule of mine, even just 15 minutes. And I'm a new person. Um, I also, I mean, lately I've just paid so much attention to what I put in my body more than ever. And i not, I mean, you know, I, I, hiked thirty five miles in three and a half days with at least thirty five pounds on my back and I recovered so quickly i'm fifty seven years old right and I recovered so quickly because of because of what I'm putting in my body and and just the consciousness of that which is really really good for me um, i also <laughs> I also I didn't get out of bed this morning till 845. I laid in bed. I literally laid in bed and read a book for over an hour and a half before I got up today. I just, I just gave myself that. Like just, yeah. I just finished a book. It's fiction, no redeeming value. I, but Greg kept looking at me and going, you're still there. And I'm like, yeah, I just kept grinning. So happy. <laughs> so, I mean, I could go on and on. I and probably one of the most important things I do, if you're familiar with the Sedona Method. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh! So, the Sedona Method is so beautiful. And Hale Dwoskin is one of my favoriteest, true transformational leaders in the world. So, as you were saying before, right? Two people have changed your life. Um, Hale's definitely one of about ten people that have changed mine and it's it's about releasing and i i do release work several times a week so that i well it comes from years ago finding out that dolphins shed their skins 12 times in 24 hours and so if they get cut or marked you can't tell within a few days and i wanted to be that person i wanted to be a dolphin i wanted to be someone that you couldn't tell you, I couldn't be recognized by my scars. I couldn't be recognized by my wounds. I couldn't be recognized by my, by the conclusions and beliefs that limit us. That I was going to be a dolphin. I was going to shed it all. And that's what I use the Sedona Method for and a couple others that we've developed. But that's a big part of what gives me my
0: mindset. It It, it keeps being updated. I'll definitely check that out. I love that. Thank you for that. The final question that I ask my guests, just because this podcast, you know, for people to optimize their mindset, it's not just to optimize the mindset. There's a why. And it's because I know so many people that have, let's say, epic success in certain areas of life, but they're maybe lacking fulfillment. But I do know that when we can get our mindsets clear and aligned with our hearts, we can have a greater sense of fulfillment. And everyone has a different definition. I would love to know how you would describe fulfillment.
1: Wow. It's just talking about fulfillment today. You know, I'm a wordy, (laughs) (laughs) right? So, uh, to me, fulfillment is the, it's a, it's a process. It's not a destination. Um, because, because like the, the curvature of the earth, right? If you're on a journey, as you keep going, you're going to see things you didn't see before. So assuming, you know, the destination that's going to be fulfilling can, can be a big surprise. Um, right. Like it's not about arriving somewhere. It's a, I think it's a lot how, how you're getting there. And I, when I talk to younger women, I just, I just keep encouraging them to it's okay to slow down. It's okay to do something later. Mm. Not not everything has to be done right now. And it's also the clearer we are about our values. And you asked how long a list should be. Um, You didn't ask
0: how short a list should be. (laughs) (laughs) Most women that I know, it's like 17 pages.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I am a big believer in the short list. And, And I encourage people to... Like, let's say that you're going to go on vacation, which I'm going to. I'll make a short list of the what I want to experience on my vacation. What are the qualities that I want to have show up on my vacation? And it'll be a short list, like three to five at the most. I won't let it get any bigger. And then I'll make a short list of what do I need in order to have the first short list turn out. And when you have a short list, especially a short list of what you need, other people can accomplish it. So, for example, last year, my kids showed up for five days like they're going to next week again. And I made a short list of how I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be fun. For example, I wanted to have moments of ecstasy and I wanted to have real connections with my kids. And, and then I made a short list of what I needed. What did I need for it to be that way? And I realized I needed to not be accountable for feeding them, right? That if I was holding myself accountable, hostess head, pleasing people who care way more food, about food than I do, but love my food, right? If I made myself accountable for that, which would be a default, I'm mom, that I wouldn't have any fun and I'd be exhausted and I'd have no moments of ecstasy And so I actually arranged, (laughs) I hired my son. (laughs) I hired my son to be in charge of the menu and the cooking all week and to work it out with his siblings about whose turn it was to do what. And they were brilliant. It was awesome. They were brilliant. I got to be a guest for dinner. I mean, it was... It was one of the smartest things I did. And another short thing I was imagining these people because they were coming with their boyfriends, now fiance, descending upon my house and what they were going to do to my physical environment, which is part of what nurtures me, right? Fills my tanks and how the destruction they were going to render with all their stuff. And I, I got really, really tense. And then I was like, wait a second. What do I actually need? Come on, Allison. You do not need the kitchen to be (laughs) museum-like. What do you really need, right? And I sorted it out, right? That I just, I needed this counter and I needed this sink and I needed them to be responsible for the dishes. And Jeff, my son, who he'll be 30 next month, when they came, because he'd been here for a while, he trained him. He trained them on the counter they were welcome to use. But as soon as they were done, it had to go back to blank. And this is the spray. And this is how you clean it. (laughs) And he trained them in. It doesn't matter if mom puts dishes in the sink. That doesn't mean you get to. You have to. (laughs) You have to take care of yours, even if she doesn't. So like that pile up effect. Oh, my gosh. Everybody agreed it was the best time we'd ever had together. And a lot of it was because I did not turn into this hostess head, freaky default mom like I've got three little kids again. Right? We were adults. It It
0: was terrific. I love it. Well, that's fulfilling, (laughs) utter fulfillment. Yes. I love that. Of just you staying true to the queen that you are and that you've learned to be and continue to evolve to become right. Even more and more of yourself, which is all part of that concept that you mentioned around. It's really about the journey. And I love that answer so much. No one has said that yet. It's always been some finite place or construct. And and that spoken from the woman who would probably never come up with a finite, you know, destination. It is all about that authentic, organic moment. So I love that. I think you also know I'm obsessively
1: logical. If if fulfillment is a destination, then what's your life going to be if it's cut short of how long you think you have to do it, right? And. I mean, one of the questions I ask myself is, is what will I never forgive myself for? Right. And there's actions I take because if I, if I miss the opportunity to do it, I'll never forgive myself for that. So I take them now, not later. I'm going to call my dad and tell him how much I love him. Thank you. I'm going to do that when we hang out. (laughs) It's been a couple months. I got to tell him again how much I adore him. My 80 year old dad. What spawned that thought? Well, I would never forgive myself if the last time I told him I loved him was the last time I need to do that again.,
0: oh, okay, you know what I'm going to call both my parents when we hang up, and I'm going to tell them how much I love them. <laughs> 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 and now, everybody listening will hang up and call their significant others their parents or their loved ones, and let them know because life is too short. it just is so fast. And what would we, I you know, that's just so beautiful. What would we never forgive ourselves for if we didn't do? So seize the moment. Huh? That is beautiful. And I'm going to make room in my schedule to date um, because I am. Such a culprit of that. And I'm in such growth build mode right now. For the first time in a couple of years, I have found my true passion and purpose, but it is at a great consequence that is in conflict with what I say is my desire. So my sister brought up a great great question, but then you highlighted such a wonderful sort of opening for me to really investigate that and to make shifts. So thank you because you have truly helped me shift my own mindset and I'm so grateful for you. You're welcome. This has been just such a yummy conversation. I will see you, my friend, in one of your live events. I have to now go be a graduate of your prerequisite courses. Um, but I know you have a big event coming up in 2019. So my intention is to get through all the, all of the prerequisites to meet you there live. And I challenge everybody listening to, at the very least, do the get started, take the duct tape dare, learn how to listen to the men in your lives. And you can get all this and so much more on Allison's, uh website. So we'll make sure that we have that up. Any final thoughts or questions that you'd like to add? The three-minute or the
1: three-day answer?
0: I think we did
1: well. I think we did really well. We did.
0: I did too. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michelle. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you. I'm so completely humbled for your time. And I hope you have a great time with your kids. And um, just continued love and gratitude to you, Allison. I will see you next year in person. All right. It's a deal. Bye, Michelle. All right. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and you can head on over to iTunes to leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And of course, if you'd like to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, you can do so at themindsetmashup.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to hearing from you.